If you've ever wondered whether there really is such a thing as truth, today that's what we're going to talk all about. We're taking a deep dive into the difference between perception and reality and talking about how truth is different than opinion. We talk about why truth even matters and how it will ultimately bring you the most joy and happiness in this life. And we give you the formula for how to always find it. One more thing. If you are loving this podcast, if any of the episodes have meant anything to you, we would love it so much if you would go leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps other people find us. It helps our podcast to be more discoverable and hopefully it will help us reach more people too. Tonight, we're going to talk about a topic that I really love, and we're going to start out with a funny story. So, Neil, when did you see the movie The Italian Job? Like, when did that come out? Remember. Do you know? I don't even remember seeing it, honestly. I, I think oh, I vaguely remember, like, yeah, I can't remember. Well, listen, I can't remember all of the details either, so I'm not endorsing this, but it came out in 2003, so that's when I saw it, and... You know, it was a pretty popular movie at the time. And I remember after this movie, everyone wanted a Mini Cooper because that was like, it's even on the cover of the movie. There's like three little Mini Coopers. So basically, I think it's like a heist or something, but whatever it is that these people are doing, they use Mini Coopers and they're in Italy and it's just like super glamorous looking and they drive around in, in these little cars and they're so speedy and they can go in alleys and they just make it look so fun and glamorous. So this past weekend, I went to Utah to help my mom out with a photo shoot and go listen to her speak to uh, a big women's group in church, her stake relief society meeting. And then also one of my good friends, Morgan Jones, got married. So I went to her wedding reception. So there were a lot of things going on. So I flew in for like a day and a half. And because I had to do some things with work too, like run down to our fulfillment center for the place where we're, we have our merch fulfilled, I needed my own car. So I rented a car and I walked out. And by the way, this is not an ad for, this is not a paid ad for National, but I would totally work with them all day long because they are my new favorite. So National Car Rental if you use their app and book with them, you just walk out to their parking lot and you pick a car and you drive away. You don't even have to speak to a human being, <laughs> which is really nice. If when we went in the summer, we rented from another car rental company and we stood in line for two hours yeah, before they handed hours. us some keys to not even the right car that we had paid for. But at that point, we were like, we don't even care. We just need a vehicle and we need to get out of here. So anyway, National Car Rental. They're my new favorite. They're my new BFFs when it comes to renting cars. So I get down to the parking lot and I'm looking around and kind of surveying my options. And there was a Mini Cooper in the lot. All your dreams in that moment. All of my 18-year-old dreams were about to come true. I looked at that and I thought, oh yeah, I've always wanted to drive one of these. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be like the most epic day and a half of my life driving this Mini Cooper around. I mean, it, it wasn't actually that dramatic, but I thought this is going to be fun. I'm going to drive this car and I'm going to have this Italian job experience. 
Let me tell you how not Italian job that experience was. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever driven a car that has a slower getup. What do you call that? Like pickup or whatever acceleration. I acceleration. I would put my foot all the way down on the gas pedal, and it would. If you can imagine, it would go and then finally take off. It would take like a good three seconds before it even started moving faster than like my child's tricycle would move. I mean, seriously, it was the opposite of everything I had ever pictured and envisioned and my perception of what it would be like to drive a mini. It was not like that. How did you know that that was going to happen? Because I called you and I was like... (laughs) Like, I've got to tell you this story. You're not going to believe this. And you were like, yeah. If you, How did you, you know? If you just do the math, it's now the technology is different. I mean, with electric motors and things like that, they can do a lot more with a smaller engine. But just the internal combustion engine, really, really small engines. Well, the internal combustion just, was not combusting. They just don't <laughs> do, unless you do some really fancy things to them, they just don't go. So what I'm getting to with this analogy is that perception is not always reality. I mean, your perception is your reality until sometimes you realize that's not truth. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So our the prophet of our church or president of our church, President Nelson, said something in just this last October general conference that I loved. When he said it, I was like, boom, mic drop. Like we can just, <laughs> we can all just go home after this one. It was so good. He said, Contrary to the doubts of some, there really is such a thing as right and wrong. There really is absolute truth, eternal truth. One of the plagues of our day is that too few people know where to turn for truth. I just loved it when he said that because it's so true. You hear all the time people saying things that are opinion or they're taking some truth and mixing it with some opinion and claiming it as truth and or just saying there's no such thing as right or wrong or truth. And that's all not true. (laughs) So there are things that are truth. There is a difference between right and wrong. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And we actually were very lucky recently. We got to listen to Russell M. Nelson and his wife, Wendy Watson Nelson, speak to all of Southern California, all of the Latter-day Saints in Southern California, And Sister Nelson spoke first, and I loved her talk. It was phenomenal. And she started out with a story of how she took a statistics class in college, I think. And by the way, I was so bad at statistics that I had to take it twice in college. (laughs) So I'm really bad at statistics. But her point was that she, she learned in that class that you can use and twist and alternate and basically modify statistics to support whatever you want. Whatever angle you want to prove, whatever you want to be able to say, oh, 90% of this, that, or the other. Or in studies, it was shown that 100% of people had this thing happen to them. Or when evaluating these different scenarios, on and on. She said, statistics can be used to support whatever you want, but prophets speak the truth. And I have found that to be true in my life, and I know you have too. So what are your thoughts now that you've listened to my Italian job 
story in. <laughs> Sorry. I was... I was so close to buying you a mini, and I, now I'm just not going to do it. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. I think, yeah, just understanding how crazy it can be, especially in the world of the internet and social media. Oh, my goodness, and yes. I think that was one frustrating thing, because I didn't grow up in the internet. Era. Well, I did, but it, it came into being and into reality when, when I was we in, kids. like... I remember the first time getting onto the World Wide Web, WWW, was in like seventh or eighth grade. And I'm just kind of, I remember turning to my buddy and I'm like, why is this so cool? And he's like, oh, you can, you know, you can find music and you can, I'm just like, I don't get it. I'm like, let me go ride my skateboard. But later on getting into it, but one of the frustrating things is when I first started doing research papers for school or anything like that was just weeding through just random stuff. Like there were no algorithms. There were no whatever, no Google like results. There's no, it just was like anybody could say anything and it was, it was there and you could find it. And like, you really didn't know how, how to like weed through the trusted sources. Yeah. And it still kind of is in a lot of ways is, is kind of like that. I think it has muddled a lot of, our world and a lot of the truths that are out there and, and things that we can rely on to where it's, it, it kind of feels like it's been washed out or, and really leaned into hard into opinion and, and your personal opinion becoming truth, whatever on that may truth. be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we want to talk about how to find truth. And so I want to go back to President Nelson because in that in his talk to the members of our church in Southern California, he talked about how to seek truth. That was like his number one piece of advice was to seek truth. And he started out by explaining to us that God loves us and wants us to have joy. And part of having joy is having established divine laws based on eternal truth. And I think that's really interesting because when in all the parenting books that I've read, and even with like training a puppy, people or even animals like thrive knowing what the boundaries are, knowing what the rules are. Kids are actually so much happier and feel more secure when they know what the rules are rather than feeling like it's chaos and anarchy. I mean, and and that is a constant that you will see in every psychological parenting book. And in a similar way, I think God sent us down here and gave us rules and laws and things to live by so that we would know how to find happiness. It's not random. It's not like, well, good luck, guys. Like, hope you stumble into it. So that was like one of the first things he wanted us to know is that God loves us and wants us to have joy. And finding that joy is based on divine laws and eternal truth. So then he tells this really cool story about, so if you don't know, Russell M. Nelson was a world-renowned heart surgeon, and he was responsible for helping develop open-heart surgery. Like before he and a couple of other doctors figured out how to do that, no one was performing open-heart surgery. So in 1951, the machine performed well in the first open-heart operation on a human being. 
and he helped develop this machine. And he told the story to us, and I've heard the story before, but he told it to us in this meeting to everyone in Southern California. He said that in his career, they were trying to develop this. I think he spent like three years trying to develop it. And one day while he was reading his scriptures, something popped out to him. He was reading DNC and he read the part where it said, DNC is a book of scripture for us, the Doctrine and Covenants. And it said, to every kingdom, there is a law given. So because of that scripture, he felt compelled to go find the law tied to the heart. And he had been taught in medical school that you couldn't touch the heart without hurting it. But he figured out that if they honored the sodium-potassium ratio, he could stop or start the heart, and it worked every time. And it was an irrefutable law. So that was how he had the confidence to start performing open-heart surgery. And now it's blessed the lives of millions of people around the world. So many people are able to have open-heart surgery and have valves repaired and have their life saved because of this law that Russell M. Nelson discovered. And so he's big on laws and and the truths of abiding by certain laws. There's a quote I love that, where he talks about this experience. And he says, to me, this meant that if we would work, study, and ask the proper questions in our scientific experiments, we could learn the laws that govern the heartbeat. Now, having learned some of those laws, we know that we can turn the heartbeat off, perform delicate repairs on damaged valves or vessels, and then let the heart beat again. This is also applicable in our lives with learning the laws that govern our lives and learning truth and knowing right from wrong and all of those things. Like there is joy and happiness to be found when we live within the laws of truth and happiness that God has set for us. That's really what we believe. So Neil, you were talking to me about how this is the very first thing that you would teach people when you served a mission. So can you kind of talk about what that experience was like and how you would teach people? Yeah, totally. I, I, it was super interesting to me. I mean, mission, that's something that we do in our church, go on missions, which is basically set aside two years or 18 months or thereabouts to go to a certain place and be 100% of your time is dedicated to teaching people about the gospel, about God, about Jesus Christ, about our faith. And so that was something that I got to do in Canada, which was really fun, just outside of kind of the greater Toronto, Canada area. But I thought it was really interesting to see how people reacted or responded when we would talk to them about about eternal truths that we 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 know are true. And have come to believe that are, are true through our our faith and our experience in in the gospel. I mean, it, things like God is our Father, or there is a God. There is a God who loves us. Who most people believe in a supreme being, even though they may call him by different different names. We know that God lives. Okay, so tell me what that was typically like. If because you had so many experiences doing this. Yeah. Were people pretty receptive to that? Yeah. Most, for the most part, people, I mean, in in Canada, it, there were, you know, a lot of Christian religions. There was like Anglican, Catholic, Protestant, and then there was a lot of, a lot of diversity. But for the most part, unless it was somebody who was just, just an atheist or an ag- agnostic, which I think most of the time we would, we would, speak to people who had some type of a faith, 
most of the time people would be like nodding their heads and be like, yeah, if they would take, take a minute to talk to us. But it just, you could tell and you could feel that it resonated, that it was a truth that people resonated with or kind of could, could feel for the most part. I think that was the majority of the experience that I had in talking to people. If again, if they would talk to us or if they were of some type of a, a faith, but even not, you know, you could see for people who, who didn't necessarily know once you started talking to them and, and speaking some of these eternal concepts and eternal truths, like we're all children of God, mm-hmm. it's something would kind of light up or kind of resonate and you could see it. And there was, there was a familiarity there or something that kind of lit up with, with that person. And, and I believe that that's because it, it's an eternal truth. Because it's truth. Because and, it's and it true. feels right. And people are like, oh. And they can feel it. Yeah, that feels good. Let's talk about that. So that's that's the litmus test. That's the formula is to know if something's right or wrong. And one of my very favorite stories ever is of Joseph Smith, which people love to make fun of him if they don't understand. They they don't really know the story. But this is this is the story and this is the truth about why he even tried to seek out God. So he was trying to go to church. He went to several different churches and he just didn't feel consistency. He didn't feel like he was getting truth or getting like that feeling of knowing that what these different pastors or preachers were saying was true. He just didn't feel like he was finding God. So he read this scripture in James 1, chapter 1, verse 5, that says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. And that's the part that we typically read. But if you read on to the next verse, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. I think that's so key to know that, yes, you need to ask God, but you also need to ask God believing that you're going to get an answer. Because there's a big difference between kind of like, throwing something out and being like half-hearted in it or not really believing, but it says, let him ask it in faith, nothing wavering. And so when I think about the times that I have asked God things and I totally believe he's going to give me an answer, he does in his own time or in his own way, always. And even if that answer is, sorry, you got to wait more, or the answer is going to come later on, or I'm not ready to resolve that for you perfectly right now. But then there are times when he does, when he does just like show you exactly what to do or how to do it or what is right or wrong or truth or what what is right for you. Okay, but then you found a verse that was really interesting too in James 1, just a couple verses down, verse 8. You pointed this out to me. Yeah, I thought this was super interesting. It's a principle. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Yeah. And I thought of, too, when I read that duality, like you're talking about, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I thought about so many people who have come into ARP, our 12-step meeting, and talked about how the double life will eventually catch up to you. It's unstable. It's not sustainable. You can't live that way forever. And I've seen that happen to a lot of people. I've seen it happen to myself where 
things that I needed to resolve and that I was holding off on resolving, they did. They they caught up with me until I finally was forced to face the music on certain things. And I think that that just is one of, like we've been talking about this whole time, that's one of the laws of, you know, if you want to live in total peace and harmony with yourself, you can't live a double life. And it's not to say that you can't make mistakes because we're all making mistakes, but there's a big difference between I'm striving to live the way God would want me to live, but I'm also kind of hanging on to some other stuff that I know I shouldn't be doing, but how bad is it or whatever? And that's always every time going to be Satan justifying or making it seem like it's not that bad, but really it's just going to drag you down and not allow you to be stable. Okay, another really, really interesting example of truth is Jesus and his life and how many people tried to prove him wrong or make him look like a liar or make him look like a hypocrite. I mean, he was constantly battling with people trying to show like, oh, look at you, you're helping people out on the Sabbath. You shouldn't be doing that. Or Pilate coming and saying, Art thou a king? And Jesus said, Thou sayest, I am a king to this end. I was born for this cause. I came into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of truth heareth my voice. And then Pilate says, What is truth? And when he said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said it unto them, I find in him no fault at all. So Pilate basically says, like, I can't find fault with this man then his pride takes over and he can't allow himself to look bad, basically. Don't you think that's kind of why he succumbs to peer pressure, even though he discovers the truth that Jesus is this like man of God. He was, you know, that's pretty bold for Jesus to say, like, thou sayest that I am a king to this end was I born. And yeah, I, I am here to be the son of God. And Pilate's like, I can't find fault in him. But then because the world takes over and pride takes over, they still crucify the Savior. Another really important part of this is the dress. We will have to, we will have to link to the picture of the dress. And I think maybe even we talked about this once on the podcast, but we'll talk about it again. So I pull up this picture of this dress that went viral in 2015, I think. And it is a picture of, in my opinion, a gold and white striped dress. And when I look at it, there is no other way to see it. It's not like, oh, okay, I could see your point of view. My eyes only see gold and white and your eyes only see. I can't remember. Blue and 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 black black is what you saw. And what was super interesting is our kids, I showed it to Lila and she only saw gold and white. And then Annie only saw blue and black. And when you perform that experiment with people, it is mind blowing because they're just like, no, how it's impossible for you to see anything other than gold and white. And then the other person's like, no, that is clearly blue and black. How can you see anything else? So I think it's important to know that we're all different people. We're going to have different life experiences which lead to our perception is reality in a lot of ways. And also, I think God meant for us to have 
different personalities, different perspectives, different likes, different dislikes, all of those things. Otherwise, we'd just be walking around like little robot clones, you know? So when we talk about truth, it's different than variety of opinion or people's personality or things that they're attracted to. Like, of course, there's so much beautiful variety in the world, but there are things. And I think the most important part of this is there is a difference between right right and wrong. And I want to talk about Russia right now because that's a perfect example of right and wrong. Vladimir Putin is wrong. It's just wrong to go into a land and just kill massive amounts of people because you want more power. He is lying to his people. And in fact, today, whatever today is, the 15th of March, he shut down Instagram in Russia for one reason, because he does not want Russians to see the truth. He doesn't want them to see what's actually happening because on social media, you are going to find truth. You're going to see, oh, wow, that's what it actually looks like in Kiev and in Kharkov and all these other cities where they're just being bombed and shelled and people are dying and they're, you know, bombing a children's hospital and a maternity ward. And it is so atrocious and horrific. And yet there is a man who has convinced so many people in his country that he's doing something right by killing all these people. And supposedly the the reasoning, the justification is that Ukraine is going through a genocide. But that's also totally false, a total false narrative. And he's since changed his story on why he needs to take over Ukraine. What I thought was so inspiring yesterday was there was a journalist in Russia, like a Russian journalist who like snuck into the TV broadcast of like, she knew that they were doing the nightly news live. And she snuck in there with this poster board where she said, stop the war. And she had a Ukrainian flag and something in Russian about like, they're lying to you. Don't believe them. They're killing people. And you know, then she was taken away and detained and who knows what they're doing to her now. But there are people because of social media, communism isn't like it was before the internet, you know, where people could just be kind of hidden under a blanket of lies in a communist country. Because of social media, so many people in Russia have seen, oh, this is this is what's actually going on there from my friends and from people I know. And isn't it interesting, though, that people in Russia feel like they are hearing truth from one person? And yet that is like a that is goes right back to what I brought up at the very beginning, right and wrong, truth or lie. And it's just wrong to kill people in massive amounts, innocent civilians just to take over a country. That's wrong. We went a little bit out of order. I was going to talk about A Case for Christ. Incredible movie. If you haven't seen it, it's based on a true story and it's so well done, but it's about this journalist who is an atheist and he gets married and he and his wife decide, okay, we're not going to be religious. That's like their thing. They agree upon it. They get married. And then there's some incident where their daughter almost dies. And this woman who's a Christian saves their daughter And then the wife is so grateful and she develops this friendship with the woman who saved their daughter's life. 
And this woman who saved her life starts teaching her about Christianity. And the wife totally feels compelled to learn more and to get more into it and to start attending church. And the husband's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We decided this was not going to be our path in life. And she's like, I'm sorry. I just feel like it's true. And I have, to, I have to follow my heart. And this woman who saved our daughter's life is teaching me things that I, are undeniable to me. And he's like, we'll see, because I'm a journalist, so I'm going to prove Christ wrong. I'm going to prove it, that he was a liar, that first of all, maybe prove that he didn't exist. And even if he did, he was a liar. And let's, you know, let's just solve this once and for all. So he goes on this huge quest to prove that Christ was a lie. And what he finds is there's just too much documented evidence from different accounts, different people who continue to testify and speak of the miracles that he did. First of all, he's like, we can't deny that he existed. Like that's out the window because there are so many different accounts. And then after that, he starts uncovering all of this evidence that these miracles really did happen. And then what happens that's an even deeper level than that is he starts feeling the truth of it and he just can't deny it. And he ends up converting to Christianity. And now he's a professor of religion at some university. And this is a true story. So if you, if you want to watch something that's inspiring, you know, hope and truth inspiring, watch the movie, A Case for Christ. It's based on a true story. It's so, so good. But that is what we're talking about when we say there is truth, there is right and wrong, and there is a God who created us and we are his children and he wants us to be happy. That is that that's the basic truth that we're going for here. Yeah. I think once you have that framework and you understand things from that perspective, it changes mm-hmm. challenges, trials, difficult situations. And it makes sense of things that don't make a lot of sense. And I I do think, I think having an eternal perspective, understanding that we are spiritually like eternal beings, that's another truth, you know, that we are spiritual beings having a mortal experience. Once we understand that, we live by that truth, then it it does change things. It, it There is hope. There is an understanding and and there's a, a hope in in God and in the nature of God, who He is, and that He loves us and cares about us and cares about and and knows exactly what's going on. For some reason, I think for me, when I'm going through hard times, there's a temptation to think that He doesn't get it, and it's kind of crazy when you really think about who God is. Mm-hmm. But I think in my mortal mind, sometimes I'm like, man, no one understands, or God. You know, maybe he doesn't understand or he doesn't see me for some reason, or he doesn't understand exactly the nature of what I'm going through. But if I understand who God is and I understand his true nature, if I get these truths, then I understand the reality that he knows exactly what's going on. And if I understand that, then I can look at a situation and goes, okay, if he loves me, cares about me, knows exactly what's going on, then there's reasons why it's going the way that it's going. But not just that, that there's something on the other side of this, that if I were to see it in the way that God sees it, I would completely understand and completely agree and have faith and be like, yeah, that, that I get it. And this is totally right. And sometimes we can do that. I can do that. 
with with hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, mm-hmm. once on the other side of a major challenge or trying situation, sometimes, not every time, I can look back and go, wow, that worked out exactly the way that it needed to. I see the ways that I grew, developed, became better. It led to a greater opportunity, whatever. But not every time. I think there are things that that maybe we just won't figure out in this life. Well, you know what this made me think of is what I do with our babies in the ocean. What's that? You don't, you're looking at me like you don't know. I do this with all of them when they're. Like, oh, you let tod- them get pummeled yeah. by the, by the <laughs> yes. waves. <laughs> yes. When they're toddler age and they kind of go from like crawling and being dependent to, oh, now I'm, now I've got running legs and I'm going to run away from mom and dad and I'm going to run into the ocean. Every one of them, including Anna, starting with Annabelle, we moved here when she was 18 months old. And she was so stubborn, most stubborn kid of all of them, don't you think? Probably, I think so, especially as a toddler. And she just wanted to go for it, like just run out into the ocean. And at first I was just like so nervous and I tried to chase after her and she'd giggle and I figured it out pretty quickly. Oh, I'm going to let the waves, I'm going to be close enough to save her, but I'm going to let the waves take her out so that it, it instills some healthy fear in her because this truth, this law is that if you put a toddler out into the ocean, they're going to die. Like they they stand no chance. Even an adult, even like a, a professional surfer should not go out in the water alone. Because, I mean, if there's other people around, fine. But like, really, you're not supposed to surf alone ever, right? Because the ocean is dangerous. And so with my little ones, I've done that every, you know, when it's like summer season and we start going back to the beach and there's somebody who kind of doesn't understand, I'll just walk down and I I stay close enough that I can save them after they get a little scared. But I let the ocean knock them over so that they realize, oh, this is dangerous. This is scary. I felt afraid when I got knocked over. And I think God does that with us sometimes where he's like, okay, I know I know how this is going to turn out and I know what the end is from the beginning and I'm going to let them experience things that will help them learn truth for themselves and understand the way that the world works and grow in our character and in our capability to handle hard things. And I think it's interesting in John 18, where I was reading earlier, that Jesus basically says, this is the whole reason I'm here. He says, and for this cause, I came into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Like that was the reason to bring truth to people, to be a savior, to teach the world right from wrong and show them, show all of us how if we live like Jesus, we will be happy. Like that's kind of the point of this mortal existence is to figure out how to more and more live in the laws of truth that will make us happy. And when I think about why we teach our kids the gospel of Jesus Christ and how I hope that conversation will go when they're adolescents and they're reaching adulthood, the thing that I want them to understand is this makes me so happy living within these laws and living in this way where I'm aligning my will with God and I'm trying really hard every day to do what I think he wants me to do, it makes me really happy. 
And I hope that you find that happiness too, but ultimately it's going to be up to you to choose. But I do think people figure that out when they live within these, within God's laws and they are trying to be like Jesus. And then when they go off and it's like, then no man can serve two masters, like you were saying before. It's impossible to find constant joy if you are veering off the path into like, you know that you're you're not doing what you, what would bring you actual happiness. Yeah. No, I think so. I, I think of the wickedness never was happiness. Mm-hmm. That's something that was interesting to me to like start when I started going to recovery meetings. I kind of thought, it, and it was in Utah. There's a lot of people who are members of our church there. There were a lot of people that were me- that were members of church, our church in meetings, in these meetings I go to, 12-step meetings. But there were like a, a goodly amount of people that weren't. And it was interesting to hear those people share and talk about feeling guilt or remorse for actions that I was like, oh, I thought that was just people who are members of our church kind of innately felt like drinking or drugs or pornography, you know, especially pornography, because that's so widely like initial and a lot of people don't really see a problem with it in the general world at large. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, oh, it's just kind of there, whatever. But it was interesting to see people who are even not of faith or atheists or still feel innately like there was something that they felt like it was having an effect on them that was that was wrong. They didn't feel good about it and they would express that. And I was like, this is really interesting. I thought that was something that was just unique to being a member of the church and being understanding and being taught that truth. That there is a law, the law of chastity, that that will bring you joy by living it. By not living it, there are there are things that it pulls you away from the spirit. So it was interesting to hear people who are not necessarily of faith confirm that that truth and reinforce that truth. That was really interesting to me. So, but I do think that that is that is one truth as well as wickedness never was happiness. That eventually people who go astray or veer off into different directions, circle back around and you will hear them. And it's a, it's a theme that's even woven into a lot of different movies and, and things mm-hmm. of, of once people go that direction and, and a lot of them will come cir- full circle and say, wow, I want to turn my life around. I want to, I want to live differently. This life has been the way of whatever that be the way of the streets or the way of the, whatever that is, that's not the way to happiness. Right. I want to talk about briefly before we end how to know truth. And this is a formula that I live my life by. This is this isn't just something that I believe in. This is just this isn't just a doctrine of my faith, but this is literally how I live my life and how we make big decisions and even small decisions and so here's the formula. It comes from our book of scripture Doctrine and Covenants. Section eight, verse two, yea, behold, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which shall come upon you and which shall dwell in your heart. And our last episode, you and me, we talked about how to know when God's speaking to you versus just your own thoughts. So this very much goes hand in hand with that whole entire episode, but God will speak truth to you and you can and I, I used that too when I was feeling like I never knew if you were telling me the truth or not. 
when you were, you know, there were times when you were lying to me with your, when you were active in your addiction. And I used to just feel like I'm a crazy person. Like I never know if you're being honest or not. And that was what I came to was number one, it's not my job to police your actions. That's between you and God. And number two, if God needs me to know something, he's going to tell me. And he did so many times. There were so many times where it was like I was led to truth or I was led to figure something out or discover something or ask the right question or whatever. And furthermore, with any other decision, with any other thing where you're just like, I'm trying to figure out if this is the right thing or should I do this? Like, If you get that burning feeling in your chest or in your heart and it dwells in your heart and in your mind, that is truth. That is the Holy Ghost saying to you, this is truth. This is correct. This is what you should be doing. And when we follow that, we don't have a problem ever. And our latest episode too with Andre, where I interviewed him and then I say to him like, hey, I want to help you. Let's help you figure out how to get some money raised for you. And we've decided to do all this fundraising with him. People have asked me, how do you know that this guy is going to do good things with this money that you're sending him? And how do you know what he's actually doing and how? And there's one answer to that. Every time I've spoken to Andre, every time I've had communication with him from the very beginning, I have felt the spirit tell me, this is what I, I need you to help this guy. Like you're supposed to help him and what he is doing is right and true. So that's all I need. I just need the spirit to tell me something's right. And then that's it. That's enough for me. And so I just want to end with that, that if you put your trust in God and you really believe in this, so you go back to that scripture about James, like, or from James, that you ask having faith in God, then he'll manifest the truth unto you. You have to have that faith component. You have to ask God, but then really actually believe that he's going to tell you the truth. And he will. He will. He has never let me down. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I think, and the cool thing is, is to, is everyone has in, from like a doctrinal standpoint for the doctrines of our church and in the Book of Mormon, it talks about this, like the light of Christ, mm -hmm. like everyone has a divine component to them spiritually that draws them to truth or yes. to goodness or to right or to want to act right. And so it's it's a matter of listening to that inner voice, that that intuition that will lead us to all truth, and and we and you can feel it. You can feel it when you when you hit that that feeling of peace or calmness or confidence, like a humble confidence in something or or a cause or what whatever it is that's that's right. You you can feel it. It does feel different. It does. Um, and sometimes it's it's more subtle and, and sometimes it's very strong. But I do believe that that's such an important gift that God's given us to be able to discern between truth and error. And and even on a just a right secular level, like people talk about that in general terms all the time. Like I just didn't have a good feeling about mm -hmm. this situation or I didn't feel right about something. That's what that is. is it's, Gut feeling, it's, intuition. Yep. It's that all the light of Christ, the spirit testifying of truth speaking to us. And so living as closely as, as I can or we can or whatever, that's 
going to bring ultimately the most amount of happiness and, and enable us to achieve what God would have us achieve and see it through very difficult times that, you know, may be going on. Those are my thoughts. Well, thanks for sharing. And there were a lot of interruptions and a lot of opposition, I feel like, trying to get through this episode, but I felt like we were supposed to share it. So I hope it made sense. I know it was a little bit choppy, but I believe everything that we said is true. So final thoughts. Yeah. Basically, eternal perspective of understanding one. And I don't know, I always think of this in terms of what would I tell my, if I could tell my kids something and I only had a moment to tell them something and, and it was kind of the last thing that I would tell them that would get them through life or hard times or anything would be, there is a God, he loves you, you are his child, he has a plan for you specifically, and he wants you to be happy. You are an eternal being, and, and that's life is just a fraction of what's to come. There is an eternal, you know, an eternity to come. Those are the things, those are the truths that I find myself remembering. And then when anytime someone goes through a really tough time, those are the first things that I find coming out of my mouth is, look, there's a God. You're a child of God. He loves you. There is a plan for you. And these are truths that I hold fast to. That's so interesting to think about what would you tell your child if you had just a moment. And I feel like what I would tell our kids is stay close to the Spirit. The Spirit will never lead you astray. If you stay close to the Spirit, you will figure everything out. It's just as simple as that. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode. Oh, 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 oh